Well, I'll do my best. <laughs> it's good to be back here with you all here at uh, Essex Gospel Community Church. It's, it's odd how when you say things for so long, they kind of really stick in your mind. And so, you know what the hardest part of the transition has been? Not welcoming people to Essex Gospel Community Church every Sunday morning. <laughs> And you know what? The, the church that we are pastoring now is called Evangel Assembly. And so next transition, we really got to switch up the names a lot. Too many E's. It's like, good morning, welcome to E. And Essex just wants to come out. It's, it's better now. It's, it's getting better. But we, we've been there, believe it or not, for two years now. It'll be uh, two years at the end of August that we transitioned back to Yarmouth, Nova Scotia. Yarmouth is where I grew up. That's my hometown. That's where my parents are right now. And that's where I went to high school, and that's where I, that's, that's the area that's familiar to me. Oddly enough, and as some of you who have been here for years I have known a little bit of my story, I didn't attend church a lot as a kid and a teenager, and so, so the church I'm pastoring now, though it's in my town, I never really attended there uh, much. I kind of came back there when I was a young adult at 19 years old, and got to know some of the folks then when I was a brief couple of years in university. Some of them are still there in the church to this day. But it's, um, it's, a, it's, a great, it's a great location. The East Coast is beautiful anyways. But it's a great location. Um, and the, the church, Evangel, has, has always had so much potential and so many things going on. And I've just, I was really excited to be able to be back home and to be there. So over the last year, we, we've done some things. We've, we've uh, refreshed our children's ministry. We're refreshing our youth ministry. We hired an assistant pastor. We stole them from Chatham, Ontario. Yeah. We brought them down to the East Coast. Pastor Aaron and Rachel Shaw, they're from Amherstburg. And they joined the team. Uh, they came out and interviewed just before Christmas. And they joined the team right around February, March. I, mean, I remember it was a snowstorm. Um, so <laughs> take your pick. It could have been January, February, or March. <laughs> and so they, they joined the team there, and, and they're ministering well. And, and in fact, Pastor Aaron is, is covering things quite well while I'm on vacation. Someone passed away last week, and I didn't hear about it until I read it on Facebook. So they had things covered and carried. Nobody really had to, uh, to email me or call me or anything like that. So it's been going really well. And I'll share probably a few more details as I, as I preach this morning. But um, it's been good being back here in the area. Thank you for all of those of you who have made us feel at home. And it, it really does feel like coming back home in some ways. It feels like we never left. Things are so familiar. It feels like when we drive downtown, we just want to turn up Isler, go into Margaret Brown, and go into that house we owned. I don't know if the people that bought it from us would be very appreciative of that. And our kids, too, at one point, I think at most points, my daughter's social calendar has been busier than my own. She's just running here and there and, uh, and doing so many things. But it's been good to come back. It's been good to visit here because this place has been so impactful in our ministry. The bulk of our ministry was here. We pastored here for 10 years alongside with Pastor Brent and, and so many of you. And, and I remember I was ordained in 2009 in Burlington and we celebrated that here in this church. And, and it, it was, you know, all four children were born here and all of those sorts of things. And so when I think back over the last two years, that we've been away. There's, there's a couple things I've realized, and the first one is this. It would have been really a whole lot easier just to stay here. 
<laughs> I mean, we, we have so many memories here. We, we, we loved you guys, and this was a great place. Our kids were born here. We have the memories of narrowly escaping salmonella at Christmas Day with Betty Green. And it wasn't because of her cooking. It was because the garage fridge died a couple days before Christmas and started pumping heat instead of cool, and we didn't realize until we went to cook the turkey on Christmas. We have the memories of Mandy going into preterm labor more times than we all care to remember. Once on Jeff Reve's birthday, it was a family night, and there was an ambulance here, and there were parents arguing, and, and I, I just went to the bathroom and locked the door because I didn't know what I was going to do. We have the memory of very last youth convention, breaking the window at the Tim Hortons in Waterloo. That youth leader no longer attends here. So just, just so you know, just, just so you know, the youth leader is no longer here. You don't have to worry about that. And then, and then Bev Quinlan, there you are, Bev. Your, your son Michael throwing an axe can in a youth bonfire as I'm trying to chase him away from doing it. And the biggest mushroom cloud I've ever seen to date, I saw in Essex. So there's so many things. You just can't make that stuff up. It doesn't happen in the Maritime District of the PAOC. And so it would have been a lot easier over the last two years to just stay here and to stay with you guys and to keep doing life as we had been doing, except, and this is where we're going to get a little serious, except for the fact that listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit rarely involves the path of least effort. It was really cool last week to see Betty Green leading worship and hear Len Filio on the board because I'm pretty sure we had those conversations, Betty and Len, when I was here and you told me no. <laughs> but now you're doing those things. That's awesome. And I'm sure so many of you have stepped up into new things and, and done things that, that maybe were on your heart that you had the courage to finally step out and do. And it's, it's fantastic. But I'm sure if you've done that, you realize, as I have realized, that listening to the voice of the Spirit rarely involves the path of least effort. And so if you have your Bibles this morning with you, we're going to open to the book of Joshua in the Old Testament. Joshua chapter 1. And we're going to look at a couple of verses here in Joshua chapter 1, verses 6 through 11 this morning. Joshua chapter 1, starting at verse 6, says this. It says, Be strong and courageous, because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give to them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Verse 9, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So Joshua ordered the officers of the people, go through the camp and tell the people, get your supplies ready. Three days from now, we will cross the Jordan here to go in and take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you for your very own. Let's pray for a moment this morning. Lord, I thank you for your word. And I just pray that as we look into this, as so we dig into what you have revealed through this passage, that we will be encouraged in our own lives 
and in our own hearts this morning to listen to the voice of the Spirit in our heart and to be strong and to be courageous when we follow through with that. In the name of Christ, we pray together. Amen. If you're familiar with this portion of Scripture, it's the beginning of the ministry of Joshua. And Joshua was about to lead the nation of Israel into the land that had been promised to them. It was a long journey. It took a long time to get to this place. But Joshua and the nation of Israel were there and they were ready to walk into the destiny that was theirs. They were ready to walk into the land that God had promised them. And then, here's this is fascinating in verse 6. This is how sort of Joshua's commission begins. It says this, Be strong and be courageous. The fact that even a great leader like Joshua needed to be reminded to be strong and courageous tells me this. It tells me that, that leaders and that people of all times and all places are even prone to periods when they don't feel particularly strong. Hey, you're here this morning. <laughs> Mr. Smash the Window by the Tim Hortons. Good to see you. <laughs> Sorry. That, I think we're used to that here with Pastor Brent. It's good to see you. It's good to see you too, Raven. <laughs> Is that Benny Green's son, Ryan, that broke the window? <laughs> nope. Not saying. Let's bring it back. Yeah. <laughs> We're talking about being strong and being courageous. Strong like Ryan. But the fact of the matter is, Joshua had to be reminded to be strong and to be courageous. And right away in the second verse, it reiterates it. Be strong and very courageous. And again at the end, be strong and be courageous. The strength and the courage it takes to walk in what the Spirit of God has put in our hearts comes from God. And just because we might feel a little, a little nervous, a little fearful, a little anxious about the things that we might be stepping into, it doesn't mean they're not of God or not from the Lord or they're not things He would like us to grow into. Because right here, right before we even dig any further into the text, we see that Joshua had to be reminded three times in the commission of his leadership to be strong and to be very courageous. And then we get some more information. This commission gives us some more stuff. It talks about obeying the law that Moses left for you. And so we have to do a little bit of understanding with that passage to bring it over to the New Testament where we live today. We understand in the Old Testament, the law of Moses was that thing that kept the nation of Israel in right standing with God. It's that thing that kept them in connection, justified before the Lord, if, if you will. And so Joshua is told to keep the nation of Israel in line with that law. In the Old Testament, we know if they sinned, they sacrificed. If there were sicknesses in the camp, there were laws for how to handle that with quarantines. The annual feasts that the nation of Israel observed reminded them continually of God's provision for them, and so they had to keep those things to the letter. We understand that we bring this into the New Testament context. We are not bound to the, to the law of Moses as they were in Israel. In fact, the book of Romans 
Paul tells us this, Romans chapter 8, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set us free from the law of sin and death. The law of sin and death being a reference to the law of Moses. We say sometimes that the law has been abolished through Christ as though it was something evil in that time, but Gospel writer Matthew reminds us that, that, the, that, he, that Jesus has come not to abolish the law and prophets, but to fulfill them. And so we might restate that passage in Joshua like this. It might be, be careful, New Testament Christians, be careful to walk with the Spirit every day as those who walked with the Spirit before us. Do not turn to the left or to the right, but walk with the Spirit that you might be successful wherever you go. And let me read into the text, especially when you're walking on new ground, as Joshua was preparing to do. Especially when you're undertaking transitions. Especially as you're walking into new things, as my family did two years ago, as we, as we left here and embarked on something that we discovered was, was more challenging than would have been staying here. And I know Essex Gospel, you are, as Pastor Brent has mentioned, discussing, embarking on some new adventures in, in the coming time with, with building renovations and, and all sorts of things. And walking according to the collective voice of the Spirit as a church, or walking according to your personal sense of what God is speaking to you, does not require the path of least effort. In fact, it, it requires a whole lot of effort sometimes. There's further instructions here in verse 8. Verse 8 says this, Do not let the book of law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night. Bring this into the New Testament context as well. We want to walk with the Spirit, but, but we know that the Spirit of God has already spoken to us very directly through the Word of God. And so the very first thing we ought to do when we want to walk with the Spirit is to understand and know and keep on our hearts and our lips what is written in this very book, right? I mean, this is the, the revelation of God for us. 1 Timothy 3.16 tells us that all Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching and rebuking and correcting and training in righteousness so that we may be thoroughly equipped for every good book, or every good, sorry, work. I have a question for you. How many of you like to read recipe books? Anyone like to read recipe books? I enjoy reading a good recipe book. But how many of you just read the book and then do nothing with it? Brent. <laughs> the point is, the point is when you read a good recipe book, you don't just read it to look at the delicious photographs and then put it away. You want to do something with it, right? You want to make something or have someone make it for you. You want to make something. You want to do something with it. And it's the same with the Word of God. We want to put it into action. We don't just want to meditate on it, as Joshua says, so that, so that why? So that we become the smartest people in the church? Or that we become the most knowledgeable? There's, there's place for teachers and knowledge, but we need to do something with what has been put into our hearts through the Word of God. 
And so let the Word of God, let the Holy Spirit invest in your heart through the Word of God as as Joshua is being reminded here. Do not let it depart from your mouth. Meditate on it and be strong and be courageous once you walk out what it is that the Spirit of God has spoken to your heart. When we talk about walking in courage and strength, there's a couple things I've learned over the last few years about courage and strength and walking in transition. The first thing is this, is that the things that we once thought were were boundaries or really tall fences in our lives sometimes work out to be nothing less than self-imposed limitations. Why did the nation of Israel have to walk through the desert for 40 years before they got to this place with Joshua where they could go into the promised land? I'll give you some homework. Read it. It's in Numbers 14. They were afraid. They sent out spies and they thought, we can't do this. We can't take this land. We can't walk in this destiny that we've been given. It's too difficult. We're too afraid. We're not numerous enough. You can read it in Numbers 14. And so they wandered for a while. You know, the odd thing was, when I was on staff here, it was a cardinal rule, a cardinal sin, in fact, to have to be involved with worship and the preaching on the same Sunday. (laughs) That's true. And I was hoping that Pastor Adam was going to be here this morning, but Pastor Jess, you can pass this along to him, that I took note that last Sunday, he was involved leading worship And he had to preach. And I just wanted to encourage him with the fact that I was never made to do that when I was here. (laughs) And then, this morning rolls around. New rules. New rules. New management. (laughs) But you can pass that along, that maybe he can use that as a bargaining chip at some point. That the previous staff were never expected to do things like that. But you see, then I arrived at Evangel Assembly in Yarmouth. And because this is recorded, I'll, I'll say it delicately. <laughs> I don't think they told us just how many musicians they didn't have at that time. <laughs> we were in a rebuilding phase of the worship team. There was a massive transition before we got there that we were completely apprised to. And so that first Sunday that Mandy and I were on staff at Evangel Assembly, or I was, and and Mandy came along for free. That first Sunday, Mandy led worship, I played the piano, we had someone singing, and that was it on the platform. And then after that, I got up and did announcements, received tithes and offerings, and I preached, and we ended at 11.40, the time it is right now. I remember we ended at 20 to 12. I said, amen, and they left, and I thought, what on earth have I got myself into now? (laughs) Because I had to come back and do it again, because we have a night service that very day. And so for the first while that we were in at at Evangel Assembly, I preached morning, I preached night, I played on the worship team, sometimes I led worship. (sighs) Those tall fences, those boundaries, I soon learned about those. 
And then we had new people coming into our congregation and we had to find ways to connect them. And so I remember we did foundations here. And so I said, that was one of the things I wanted to do. We have to do foundations. But do you guys remember when I taught foundations? Do you remember when I taught it? It's probably still in the same time slot. This time slot, in fact. The time slot when the lead pastor would preach. But I'm the lead pastor. So we started foundations because it was just necessary to, to continue to help those who were coming into the church to continue to connect. So we launched foundations at 9.30 Sunday morning until 10.15 a.m. Sunday morning. And then I discovered also that the evangel takes turns doing the Sunday afternoon nursing home service. So instead of my cardinal rule of never doing worship and preaching on the same day, I taught foundations, then we came and did worship, then I preached, and then we went and did a nursing home service, and then I came back and we led worship, and I preached again, and at the end of the day, all I wanted was a Big Mac, a large fries, and Netflix. But that is the worst of ways to feed your exhaustion, let me just tell you that. Our transition in truth, it was far more busy, a lot more stressful, and much more work than I ever really anticipated it was going to be. But at the same time, the past two years have been the most rewarding. They've sparked more personal growth and development in my life and Mandy's life and far more reliance on the Holy Spirit than would have ever happened had I remained where I was. Important things generally aren't really easy things, and things that are easy usually aren't really that important in the grand scheme of things. And so because I want to be clear because people may listen to this podcast back in Nova Scotia, that Mandy and I definitely more than ever at this point in time feel that this was the leading of the Spirit. We're more convinced that God has us there. The ministry fruit that we are seeing is, is fantastic. And the way that we are able to partner with some other local churches in our community has been absolutely fantastic. There's been... A shift in our community with churches where maybe 10, 15 years ago the mindset was the churches are sort of fading and drifting and dying away and they're not doing a whole lot into the community that all of a sudden my church and the church that we have across the field that's a bit bigger than ours, the lead pastor there and I were, were one year apart in age which just blows everyone's mind out of the water. Did you guys really think I was that young here? Because I have not stopped hearing that when I was in Yarmouth. Oh my gosh, you're 19. No, I'm not. I'm 37. <laughs> oh my gosh, where's the lead pastor, they say to me. That's me. Well, I thought you were the youth pastor. No, I'm the lead pastor. It's, it's, it's you know, become a point. It's become a thing, you know. <laughs> It's become a real thing. But the lead pastor of this church across the field in our church, we've partnered together to do some things in town. And last this past year on Good Friday, we joined together and we had a combined Good Friday service. And we had 700 people there, standing room only. And you know what the population of our town is? 7,000 people. And so when 10% of the town gathers, people start to notice. The churches aren't drifting away. Churches aren't fading into the sunset, and neither are their leaders, because they're 19 again, <laughs> or something like that. It's been really fantastic just to watch and to be part of 
uh, a really great movement within the churches in our, in our particular community. And through that, I've learned this particular lesson that boundaries and tall fences and the things that we put up there sometimes, and sometimes there's wisdom there, so don't go, don't go completely the other side. But, but here it is that sometimes those things are, are just self-imposed limitations. And if the voice of the Holy Spirit is constantly telling us to move beyond them, then let's just take a big breath and let's do it. You, you'll really hate the process but you'll love the other side. Second thing I've learned is this, is that when we're walking through seasons of transition, that we, we really, really need each other. Pastor Adam shared something really great last week, and I wanted to jump up and shout amen, but I forgot that that would have been, I was well, way over there, and, and he was up here, and that would have been very distracting. If you come visit us in Yarmouth, you'll find out that the Evangel Assembly is a rather loud church. And so, jump up and show they men would have fit in context there. So would have waving your Kleenex and that sort of thing when we sang, he brought me out this morning. But Pastor Adam said last Sunday that, that the Holy Spirit will probably never use someone to convince you of something, but he'll use people to confirm something in your life. And that's so true. That's absolutely true. And so when we are wrestling in our hearts with, is, is this what, is the Spirit of God challenging me to walk into a new season of this or that, to step out into a new ministry to do this or that, and then we need each other to be sensitive to what the Spirit is saying so that we can confirm and encourage and, and edify one another. That's the sense of spiritual gifts in the book of 1 Corinthians. And it doesn't matter if we're Pentecostal or Wesleyan or Baptist in her background, the scripture tells us that the spiritual gifts are given to the body for the edification, the building up of the body. And you just can't do that stuff alone. You just can't, you just can't do that alone. You just can't have the confirmation of others. You just can't have all of some of that dynamic alone. The Apostle Paul says in the book of Galatians, carry each other's burdens. In this way, you fulfill the law of Christ. Remember Joshua? You know, continue to, to walk in the ways, walk in the law of Moses. In the New Testament, Paul tells us one of the ways that we, we do that is to bear one another's burdens. And we can't bear each other's burdens if we're not in each other's company, in each other's lives. So no matter if you're the leader, if you're brand new, no matter who you are, you benefit from having people alongside of you. One of the last things I did before Mandy and I and the family moved was I was invited to speak at a youth rally in Wallaceburg. And so I brought some people with me because we are better when we are together. I brought some members of our youth teaching team with me to this rally and we, we all learned a really, really valuable lesson. I don't know if any of them are in the room right now. No, we all learned a very, very valuable lesson. Because I prayed for an individual who confessed faith in Christ for the first time, and I was so excited, I introduced this individual as this young man that just gave his heart to the Lord. And then I hear a voice behind me, It's a girl. <laughs> and I looked, and she said, It's okay, I get it all the time. It totally ruined the moment. But you see, because I had people with me, because I had our youth teaching team with me, who some of them are actually out pastoring their own churches right now, they will never, ever do that. Ever. 
And I was hoping that because I had them around me, that they would surround me with encouragement and, oh, Pastor Nathan, it was, it, it was such a shame. You know, it wasn't your fault. No, they didn't. They laughed at me. And you know what? We went to McDonald's in Wallaceburg after, and they kept laughing at me at McDonald's. And they laughed at me the whole way home, and I'm sure they're still laughing at me. But as I transitioned to Yarmouth, we, we left our network, we left our friends, we left our ministry colleagues behind here, and I really wanted to get connected with, with a new group of people because we, it's, it's important to be connected with people in the body. And some of the people that were my biggest people I leaned on in the early days when we got there were some people like our district superintendent, and I know this district's a bit bigger. There you are, Taylor, you just missed it. Yeah, Taylor was on the teaching team and in Wallaceburg. You can ask him how it went down. No, it wasn't good. But some of the, some of the people I leaned on most was our, our district superintendent. He and I spoke a lot in those early days, and, and I described kind of the first three weeks as sort of culture shock. When you're used to being in one church and doing things one way, it's really different to transition and do them some other ways. But I, there's, a, there's a peer group called Healthy Church Networks, and I joined in with them and met with lead pastors every month. And then we actually host an HCN group at Evangel Assembly now. And I had lots of encouragement from our board and from our congregation. And so the point is, in times of transition, we really, really need each other. And sometimes, unfortunately, in those times, we tend to drift away or maybe to go out on our own. But we really still need one another. And there's, there's one more thing. There's one more thing before I wrap up this morning that I learned about times of transition. It's this, that sometimes the Holy Spirit gives us a glimpse of a future calling that's not to be fulfilled in the immediate moment, but prepares us for upcoming changes. The Holy Spirit will often give us a glimpse at something that's upcoming. When you read in, in the book of Samuel that King David was anointed king, you don't read that he was anointed king and then walked up and sat on the throne right away and, and just began the work, the ministry that the Lord had anointed him for. You can read that in 1 Samuel 16. In the meantime, after he's anointed, you read that he becomes the plot of an assassination several times before he even gets to be king. And so transitions they don't always come at the time when we expect or the time we want them to come but sometimes God is preparing us for something that is upcoming whatever it is you will get there keep pressing into the holy spirit but i can guarantee you what i've learned is it will take a bit longer than you thought and you'll realize in the meantime during the preparation how much God is still teaching you and equipping you to walk into that new role. And you'll also be thankful that you didn't get there when you wanted to get there because there's some aspects you just weren't ready for. I'm really glad that I wasn't the lead pastor until two years ago. Because holy cow. Yeah. Hey, Pastor Brent. I mean, you wouldn't get that here. <laughs> No, but I'm really glad, and, and I don't, you know, there was periods of time when Pastor Brent and I would talk, and I was like, I never want to be a lead pastor, ever. You remember those days, right? Yeah, but there's, 
there was a sense that this was a fantastic season. It wasn't, it wasn't prolonged too long. It wasn't too short. I'm glad that the Lord gave us 10 years here pastoring with all of you, with most of you. I know there's, there's a lot of people that I, that I don't know this morning as well, but I'm glad that I was here and that the Spirit of God used that time as preparation, especially the last couple years that we were here, as preparation before we moved on and transitioned into what we are doing now because those were invaluable preparation times. And so the Spirit of God might be speaking to your heart about something upcoming, and so use the time in between, use the time for intentional preparation, saying, Lord, what is it you want to invest in my heart, in my life, from the people that are around me right now. And so, folks, no matter, no matter what awaits you, no matter what is ahead, no matter what fear might be in your heart, no matter what perceived weaknesses you might have, I want to encourage you this morning that there's nothing more valuable than walking with an ear to the Spirit of God like Joshua did in this passage that we read this morning. Walk with an ear to the Spirit of God and walk with the courage of the Lord into the things that just stick into your heart that are confirmed by others and the things that just don't leave your heart. Don't make impulsive decisions based on a a one-night thought or a midnight dream, but the things that the Spirit of God is speaking into your heart will be things that won't leave. They'll be things that stick, and they'll be things that are confirmed by other people. And then keep, keep the Word, keep walking with God, keep that central, as Joshua was encouraged to be strong and courageous, but while he was being strong and courageous, to keep himself grounded in the Word of God, to keep himself connected with people, because when you get there to that other side, that other season, that other part, that, that, that other side of the transition, you will be thankful that you walked that way. The Apostle Paul says this in 2 Corinthians, Therefore, do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. And so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Don't let our temporary, our temporary struggles, our temporary fears, our temporary lack of courage hold us back because we see that so strongly. Press on through that to what is unseen and allow the Spirit of God to minister strength and courage in whatever season and in whatever transition you might be going through. Let's pray this morning for a moment. Lord, I thank you.